What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 113 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on this show, we are going to preview the two-game Monday night doubleheader on DraftKings. Talked about it on Thursday. We weren't sure whether or not DK would do, you know, the the right thing and make this Monday through Tuesday trio of games a three-game slate, or you know, do the obvious thing, the expected thing, and break it up so as not to hold people's money up on the site overnight. That's what they did. Now, there is a two-game slate on Monday and a two-game slate on Tuesday through Monday that, you know, takes the Bills and 49ers game with the Ravens and the Dallas game. But, you know, really, it's this Monday night doubleheader that is the main slate. They have a Millie Maker, $15 Millie Maker for this Monday night slate. So that is the slate we are going to focus on. Before we get into this two-game breakdown, Joey, can you tell the people how they can support the podcast? You can help support the DFS Dose by following us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. It's where we tweet out links to all of our content, whether that be videos, articles, clips, etc. So make sure you are following us over there. And then obviously, if you're listening to us right now, you're probably listening to us on Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, you know, whatever podcast platform you use, make sure you are subscribed or followed. It helps us out a lot, helps us reach new listeners. So make sure you are just subscribed. And then speaking of subscribing, go over to our YouTube channel at the DFS Dose. Help us reach 140 subscribers. We just surpassed the 130 mark that we wanted to get past. So shout out to everybody that's helped us with that. So let's let's get to 140 and go over and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And then lastly, we have a free Discord chat that you can join for free. Like I just said, the link for that will be in the description. We talk about DFS every single day. And you know, you could ask us any questions that you want and we'll answer within minutes. So make sure you join that. It's free to join. All right, let's get into this two-game slate up first at 5 p.m. Eastern. Another one of these early starting games. We've got Washington at Pittsburgh. Uh, this game has a 45.5 total. The Steelers are 6.5-point favorites at home. They have the highest implied team total on the slate with 25. And then after that, we've got the regularly scheduled 815 Monday night game Buffalo at San Francisco, which will actually be played at Arizona because of California's COVID restrictions. So 49ers home games to be played in Arizona. And this game has a 47 point total. The Bills are two and a half point road favorites. Joey, let's start off with your initial thoughts on this slate as a whole. Yeah, uh, just from this slate, I'm gonna be honest, I I really don't like it that much. I think there's going to be a lot of ownership on obviously the top guys. Um, I I don't think there's going to be a way to differentiate yourself that will result in a positive expectation. Therefore, you know, I'm not feeling this slate too much. I could care less about the games, to be honest. I don't think they're all that good games but I think the Bills and Niners matchup is interesting from a real life perspective but I don't think it's too interesting from a fantasy perspective I could be wrong on that maybe that surpasses my expectations but that that'd be the game to target for me personally all right multiple choice question who will be the Millie Maker winning stack on Monday night will it be a a Bills stack b a Steelers stack or c none of the above slash other (laughs) I mean, when you were in school taking tests and you didn't know which answer to choose, you just choose C, right? So I'll go yeah, with C. Of course, that's because C's always right for some reason. 
So therefore, the the Niners stack is going to win somebody a million dollars tomorrow on the back of Nick Mullins and Debo Samuel. All right. Well, let's let's break it down position by position, and we can start off with Nick Mullins, who is definitely a significant value coming off of the two main quarterbacks, Roethlisberger, sixty four hundred, Josh Allen, seventy three hundred. Nick Mullins is only fifty one hundred, a full twenty two hundred dollars less than Josh Allen. Is that where you feel like you're inclined to go in these large field tournaments? Yeah, I mean, if you want leverage on the field in in these large field tournaments on a two game slate, you're gonna want to target either Nick Mullins or Alex Smith, I would presume, right? But it's tough because Nick Mullins is trash. And this is a guy where his ceiling might be 20 points. And I don't know if that can get the job done in tournaments on a two-game slate, especially when you have a guy like Josh Allen who could reach 35-40 in any given week. And over the last three games that Nick Mullins has started, he hasn't surpassed 13 points. And, And he's just in a scheme where Kyle Shanahan wants to hide him as much as possible through their running backs and through the ground game so I don't know if I would target Nick Mullins I maybe I would play him in one out of let's say 10 lineups have 10 percent of Nick Mullins at that point but other than that I don't have much interest in Nick Mullins today at all to be honest. So, I mean, I think that there's two ways that you can get leverage on the field in a situation like this. And one would be to do like what you're saying and try and find the two quarterbacks that are going to be way lower owned and go in on those guys, Nick Mullins, 5,100, Alex Smith, 4,900. But I think the other way that you can get leverage is just taking a stance and going way overboard on your exposure to one of Big Ben or Josh Allen. Because I mean, realistically, the chances that it's not one of those two guys who are going to to be the highest scoring quarterbacks and, and you know the highest scoring stacks I think is very slim so I would be more focused I think on trying to identify which of those two guys I like the most and then sort of full fading the other the other one as you know my my stance and my way to get leverage so for me I'll be honest I think that it's Big Ben this week that I'm most interested in at 6400 for a couple of reasons one big ben is at home whereas the bills are on the road the bills are also going to arizona like we mentioned they may not be over the trauma yet of the deandre hopkins uh, catch (laughs) in that same stadium i think they might just start getting you know flashbacks the second they walk in that could definitely affect their play but no i mean in all seriousness big ben has just amazing stacking partners i think that his wide receivers who we'll get to in a little while here are some of the highest ceiling plays on the slate and you know he also is paired with the clear-cut best type end on the slate as well, which just makes for natural double stacks. So for me, I think that it's going to be a Big Ben type of week uh, on Monday night. Yeah, I don't mind Big Ben, especially uh, since he has a lot of stackable options that you compare him with, like you mentioned. I just think that Josh Allen has a considerably higher ceiling than Big Ben, but they are going to be playing this game in a dome which I think also boosts Josh Allen's outlook. The only problem with Josh Allen is that he is a significantly worse quarterback with John Brown off the field. Uh, He's on IR right now, which is concerning for Josh Allen's fantasy upside. But I think this is a spot where, you know, you fade the perceived tough matchup because you see the second in red uh, next to Josh Allen's name and you play a Niners defense that has gotten exposed by quarterbacks like Ryan Fitzpatrick this year. And if Josh Allen hits 35 and the rest of these quarterbacks score 20, which I think 
is very likely that it happens because uh, I'm not too high on that Washington-Pittsburgh game like I, I mentioned a couple minutes ago. You you could be in a good position to win a lot of money if you go overweight on Josh Allen. So I think that's where I would stand this week. But I think for me, it's only Josh Allen and Big Ben will be the two quarterbacks in all my lineups. I have no interest in Alex Smith whatsoever and no interest in Nick Mullins whatsoever. All right, moving on to running back. I think running back is probably the thinnest position here. We have Antonio Gibson as the highest priced play at 6,500 in an extremely tough matchup as a road underdog going into Pittsburgh, one of the best run defenses in the NFL. Other than that, I mean, Benny Snell starting in place of James Conner, who's on the COVID list, he is likely to be activated, but they said that they are probably not going to play him, correct? Yeah, he's most likely not going to play today, um, even though he should be activated. So outside of that, we've got, you know, the two Bills guys who were splitting work and Singletary and Moss. Singletary's 4,300, Zach Moss 4,600. And then, you know, you could take a stab at one of these 49ers backs. In fact, I think Raheem Mostert might be my favorite running back play on this slate at 5,800 at home against the Bills. Yeah, I think Raheem Mostert is a very good play this week. He's got a very favorable price tag. And this is a Bills defense that has been beatable to opposing running backs. So I don't mind Raheem Mostert. Uh, Just very limited reception upside, but he has seen two or more catches in every game that he's played in this year. So I don't mind Moster, but he's obviously going to be one of the highest owned running backs on this slate. Probably him and Gibson are going to be in a majority of people's lineups. I would expect for Moster to push 65-70% ownership uh, on this two-game slate. So I think the running back spot or running back players that I want to target is the Bills backfield. If you don't play Josh Allen, I like taking a stab at Zach Moss. I like taking a shot on Devin Singletary at very cheap price tags. And you just have to hope that, you know, when they get down in the red zone and on the goal line that Zach Moss gets the touchdowns or or Devin Singletary and not Josh Allen. I think that's where I'm going to go in terms of running backs is I'm going to try and play one of these Bills guys and then obviously mix in one of Gibson or Mostert who are going to be 60 plus percent on. Uh, But Other than that, I really have no interest in Benny Snell this week. I think he's a pure scrub. It's hard to play Tevin Coleman and JD McKissick as backup running backs, but obviously you could take a shot on them in large field tournaments. Other than that, there's really nobody else you should be considering for today. So it's obviously not black and white, especially if you're playing multiple lineups. But I mean, simply, you know, how are you feeling about Antonio Gibson? Are you going to be underweight, overweight on him? I mean, to me, I'll I'll just say it. I think that I'm pretty comfortable fading Antonio Gibson this week. I I would rather play Benny Snell. Yes, he's a certified scrub. (laughs) Antonio Gibson is a much better player. No question about it. But I mean, the Steelers are what, six and a half point home favorites here. It sets up well for Benny Snell at only 5,400. You're getting a nice $1,100 discount from him off of Antonio Gibson. And I could definitely see this being a JD McKissick spot. I mean, Gibson has definitely, you know, seized that job and I think he's got a bright future, but I just think this is a really tough spot for him. And if he's massive chalk at at 6,500, I would be comfortable getting off of him and spending that money elsewhere in my lineup. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And then obviously the one-for-one play that I would make as leverage off of Gibson is J.D. McKissick, especially if we expect... Uh, Washington to be losing in this game, which I think I think we can expect for that to happen. So 
I like McKissick at 4,500 as Alex Smith's uh, check down option in a game where he should be under pressure all day long and will have to get the ball out quick. I think McKissick will be the safety valve. I think he's a very good tournament play on a two game slate. All right, so we can move on to wide receiver. And I think, you know, sort of generally from what we just discussed at running back and the overall weakness of the pool in general, that this feels like a four wide receiver construction for tournaments. Yeah, it's definitely a four wide receiver construction this week. Um, you know, like we just talked about, there's not too many running backs that are in play for us. So that will naturally lead to a four wide receiver build. And then for me, I do like the Steelers wide receivers. Obviously, you can never go wrong playing a guy like Deontay Johnson, who has massive target upside every time the Steelers play. And then obviously Claypool has, you know, elite upside as a big play threat in the Steelers offense. So I like him a lot. And then Juju is obviously the very solid option at 5,700, the cheapest. So I like the Steelers wide receivers a lot. Um, They should probably be the highest owned wide receivers on this slate. And I think that's correct. Just diving into some of the numbers about these guys, you know, if you look at their average targets over the last four games, Deontay Johnson, you know, leading far and away with 12 and a half average targets over the last four, he's had at least double digits in all of those just absolutely monstrous target share when he's been able to stay healthy this year. Chase Claypool averaging 10 targets per game and Juju 8.5. So Deontay, you know, is averaging a full four more targets per game than Juju Smith-Schuster, and he's only priced, what, $600 more? I mean, I I think it's pretty easy to go Deontay there. Claypool is the interesting one to me because he's getting the targets, and he has the most touchdown upside. He has 10 on the year. That's as many as Deontay and Juju combined. So just for that touchdown upside, I think I would be willing to go with Claypool here if I'm choosing between the three. But if I'm playing a lot of Big Ben stacks, I mean, in a small slate like this where it's easy for one offense to outshine the rest, I I would feel extremely comfortable triple stacking this. You know, Big Ben, Eric Ebron, and two of these wide receivers, I think will probably be the most, um, you know, the most used stacks that, that I roll out on this slate later today. Yeah. And I think triple stacks are, are very viable on a two game slate because, I think there's not going to be a lot of very high scoring players on this slate. So therefore you really don't need to hit the nuts unless you're playing in a tournament like the Millie Maker. But then again, um, in two bad games, I think. I, I think you could definitely get away with running a triple sack. So I like that a lot. But I think the main decision point is if you're going to play, you know, Stefan Diggs at 7,500 or Terry McLaurin at 6,500 as, you know, your two high priced wide receivers on the slate. For me, I think I would fade McLaurin. Um, in a tough spot on the road against a, a Steelers defense that is tough against opposing wide receivers and they should be able to dominate the Washington offense and yeah I mean I, I just think McLaurin is a fade I think that's where I'm going to stand in tournaments and I, I like Diggs a lot at 7,500 he could he could abuse that Niners secondary in a dome and the Bills are going to come out for revenge uh in in the Cardinals stadium from <laughs> from that DeAndre Hopkins catch that you mentioned so I like Diggs more than McLaurin Lauren this week. Am I bugging for that or what? I mean, I think so personally. I, I do think you're bugging when you when you take into account the $1,000 discount that you're getting. I'm personally more bullish on the Steelers game, so McLaurin feels like a natural bring back for where I'm at, especially if I'm fading Antonio Gibson. And, you know, it just makes natural sense for sort of like the narrative that I'm constructing my lineups around. And, 
you know, getting a, you know, McLaurin and JD McKissick bring back on these Steelers stacks. So I think I'll personally be higher on McLaurin. And I mean, the Steelers have been tougher against wide receivers lately, but uh, the 49ers have been tougher on the year compared to the Steelers in terms of limiting wide receivers. I do like Stefan Diggs at 7,500, but you know, just with my initial thoughts on playing through how I'm building some of these lineups, I, I prefer builds with McLaurin, two Steelers wide receivers, and then maybe Cole Beasley or Gabriel Davis. And, and I mean, speaking of those guys, how are you handling the difference? Gabriel Davis was a clear-cut smash a week ago when he was min price on DraftKings and he paid that off easily. They've, they've jacked his price up. It's a little bit more reasonable now at 4300 It's only a $600 discount to come off of Beasley. You know, Davis is definitely that big play threat. And I think that, you know, that's a little bit of upside that he has over Beasley. But Beasley is a guy who can, you know, rack up a ton of catches, especially if the Bills are in a negative game script. So, I mean, do you have a lean between these two Buffalo ancillary wide receivers? Yeah, I think my lean would be Beasley just for the sole fact that you mentioned he can rack up a lot of catches in a short amount of time so I always want that on a full PPR site and then just talking about Diggs and McLaurin real quick I just going back to it I know Diggs is a thousand dollars cheaper but I think the likelihood that he scores a touchdown is tremendously higher than McLaurin scoring a touchdown so that's why I'd be more inclined to play Diggs I think there's not going to be a lot of opportunities for that Washington offense to score touchdowns on the road against one of the best defenses in the NFL with one of the best pressure defenses in the NFL going up against a quarterback that is prone to taking sacks. So I think this is, you know, a terrible spot for the Washington offense. And I wouldn't be surprised if they only score one or two touchdowns in this game. So then you, you know, you just have to hope that McLaurin gets one of those. Um, and then for the Bills game, I think there is a chance that the Bills can hang four or five touchdowns on the Niners. Uh, therefore, I would rather play digs and i'd rather play cole beasley and gabriel davis over some of the other guys in the wide receiver pool this week yeah that that's just my thought on the whole two games and where i'm at i mean i definitely agree with the point that you said i mean just when you look at the team totals i think there's definitely a better chance that digs gets in the end zone the bills have a seven and a half higher implied team total than washington so there's just a lot more scoring equity in that offense in general plus the boost at you know quality of quarterback play is significant significant between Josh Allen and Alex Smith. Um, I think that the last major question that we have to consider is, you know, how we're handling the bring back in our Josh Allen stacks, or at least the correlated pieces. As far as it goes with wide receivers, Debo Samuel is a clear standout at 6K coming off of a four-week absence last week, exploded for 11 receptions on 13 targets, 133 yards, put up a nice 27 spot on DK. There was some concern about injury with him earlier in the week, but he has been practicing in full. He should be a full go in this spot. How are you feeling about Debo Samuel at 6K priced in between the three Steelers wide receivers? I like Debo a lot this week, uh, to be honest. I think it's a, a solid matchup for him if he lines up in the slot, which he may or may not. Um, but I still think he can beat the Bills secondary with the type of routes that they use for him in the Niners offense. They use him on a on a bunch of low A-dot routes. He gets carries sometimes when he's in the game. I know he didn't have an attempt in his return, but he had three attempts against New England and a couple attempts in the previous game that he's played 
So they they try and get him the ball any way possible and let him make plays. That's where he's at his best is when he is using his rack ability. So I like Debo Samuel a lot. And 6K is a very cheap price tag for a player of his caliber. And then I think Brandon Ayuk is also a fairly good play at 5,100. And I would consider using a double bring back with Samuel and Ayuk. I think the Bills will control this game. They'll get out to a significant lead and the Niners will have to throw the ball to get back into the game. So I like stacking the bills this week and running it back with Debo and Ayuk and if I had to pick one I I think I would go with Ayuk just to get the $900 discount and the ownership discount in tournaments but they're both great plays and two of my favorite plays on the slate to be honest yeah I mean Ayuk has shown you know the ability to have big games he's had 19.7 or more DraftKings points in three straight games over his last two healthy games played he's been averaging 12 targets per game so I mean he's been a smash play especially if you're, you know, thinking about maybe a Nick Mullins stack. I mean, that's mm-hmm. super contrarian, right? Like a double mm-hmm. Nick Mullins with Ayuk and, and Debo brought back uh, with a couple Bills, maybe a Bills running back. Mm-hmm. There's definitely ways that you can get contrarian and different on this slate with some high upside plays that are going to go under the radar. Brandon Ayuk is one of them. And just between the two, I mean, what do you, what do you think? Like Brandon Ayuk was probably going to be like half the ownership of Debo. Yeah, I would expect for that to be the case. Yeah, so he he profiles for sure as a strong leverage play at only 5100 A nice $900 discount off of Debo. Are there any other wide receivers that you have any interest in? You know, some of the thinner guys, you know, Kendrick Bourne, James Washington, Richie James, any of the, the ancillary Washington guys? No, not really, to be honest. It, it's It's just picking out of these core wide receivers on these teams for me. All right, moving on to tight end where Eric Ebron is the clear-cut standout play at 4,400 in a good matchup. He's been nothing but solid. He's third in the NFL in routes run at tight end. He's only 4,400. Steelers have the highest implied team total on the slate. He seems like a slam dunk. Yeah, Eric Ebron is by far the best tight end play on this slate, and I think there's really only three tight ends in play this week Ebron Jordan Reed and Logan Thomas for me and you know in tournaments I I don't mind Jordan Reed at 3200 um and obviously at a very cheap price tag that'll allow you some flexibility but Ebron is by far the best play and probably should be jammed in to every lineup whether you're playing Big Ben or not I think because he's just that much better than the rest of the tight end pool I would expect Eric Ebron to be pushing i mean just rough estimation like 65 percent ownership so if if you want to be heavy on him you would have to play him in like seven out of ten lineups roughly i mean is mm-hmm. that something that you'd feel comfortable doing because i think for me i i personally would be i would rather just eat the eric ebron chalk if not go a little overboard on it rather than try and guess with one of these other guys and out of the two you mentioned i think jordan reed is is the best pivot over Logan Thomas, but but really, I mean, to me, I feel like Eric Ebron is the smash. If I'm playing 10 lineups uh, on this slate, I'm probably running Eric Ebron in 9 out of 10, so 90%. So you're a little overweight on uh, the projection of 60 or 65%. And then obviously, you just kind of want exposure to one of the other ancillary tight ends. So that's where I would play 1 out of 10 um, but yeah, Eric Ebron is the guy and I don't think you really have to overthink it. All right, let's close it out. Give me the winning core. The, what's, what's the core to your lineup? You know, stack, bring back. What, what's going to win a million dollars tomorrow? What's going to win you a million dollars tomorrow? I think the winning stack for tomorrow is a Josh Allen 
Stefan Diggs and one of Cole Beasley or Gabriel Davis. And then you bring it back with Debo and Brandon Ayuk. That, that's my favorite stack slash bring back stack. And I think that has the highest upside out of any stack on this, on this slate. That's where I'm going in large field tournaments. And for me, I think that I will take the Steelers stack. Like I've referenced, I'm all about this triple stack. I want big Ben to Eric Ebron with Claypool and potentially Deontay in there, because I think that Deontay can get there without the touchdowns and maybe Claypool and Ebron can both hit with a touchdown each in the same lineup. I'm bringing it back with McLaurin and McKissick and filling out the lineup with a couple of ancillary Bills players, maybe Raheem Mostert, who's my favorite running back play on the slate. But that's going to be it for us, guys. Thank you for listening. Hope you guys got some good information for this Monday night slate. Like Joey said, at the top of the show, you can support the podcast by following us on Twitter, subscribing to whatever podcast platform you use, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, wherever you listen to podcasts, we are there. And of course, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. We will be back later today with our full week 12 recap show. Usually you're getting that on Monday morning, but we wanted to push this out so you guys had some time to digest this information before the slate kicked off. But look out for that recap show. It will be out later today on Monday night. Finally, you guys can follow our personal Twitters as well. Joey, tell them where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at Joey Carrion DFS. You can find me at Ben Hover, B-E-N-H-A-U-V-E-R. We will be back later today.